My name is Rory Sinjin, and I will be your host for this evening. Co-host. No, uh, no, I can say that I'm the host. You are my co-host. I have a few co-hosts here, actually. Well, three of them, to be precise. One of them, who spoke up a little too early, interrupting me rudely, uh, is named Frank Hour. Hello. Um, I should be hosting myself. No, you should not be hosting yourself. You hosted the last week's show. So I'm hosting this week's show. Because with your suggestion, I did talk to Jordan. And Jordan did say that I could host the show. Isn't that right, Jordan? Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm fine. That is, of course, Jordan D. White, the typical host of the show. Um, but unfortunately, due to an apparent instance of trauma, uh, dealing with um, him seeing the Watchmen film and very much not enjoying it, he has been somewhat incommunicative since the film came out. Um, right now, he's just constantly reading and rereading the graphic novel of Watchmen over and over again. Isn't that right, Jordan? Right. Uh, what? Yeah? What? Reading Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this it's just so much better. Look at this. Look, look, look. Here... Here's Adrian Veidt, okay? He does not look like a little pansy girl boy. He looks, you know, mature, not young. I mean, they're, none of them are supposed to be young. There's Dan. Dan doesn't look young. This isn't this isn't Dan coming back into action. This is like one last hurrah. He, he, he goes away forever, man. Right, right. Well, of course, of course. Um, but I'm sure you're enjoying your, your graphic novel, correct? Yeah, because it's, it's, it's brilliant, you know? I mean, this stuff. Oh, God, it's just so good. The movie is just so blah. Right, well... Uh, I do have one other, of course, co-host for the evening, which is Mr. Scape White. Hello, everybody. My name is Scape. I'm a cat. Yes, he's a cat. He's Jordan's cat, in fact. And I, be- I believe he's never read Watchmen, and I don't think he ever plans to. No, not really. It's, it's just a bunch of words, and it's got pictures, but I don't really care about the pictures. Why would I care about pictures? What is there a picture of that I would care about? Well, what if it was a picture of moist food? Would you like that? Well... No, because I couldn't eat it. It wouldn't smell like moist food. It wouldn't taste like moist food. What's the point? I suppose there is that, yes. At any rate, yes, it's time to move along to the first segment of our show in which we do update people about events going on in the life of Frank Allen and the ruckus that he caused when he had money. It is, of course, known as Apple Watch. It's Apple Watch. Apple Watch. Watch. Frank Thank you very much. Do we really have to, again, do we really have to do this part of the show? Yes, I'm afraid we do. We have a lot to talk about. As you'll recall, we're only two weeks away from the premiere of ACT, the Allen Cable Television, beginning its broadcasting. Um, a bit of word has come forward about what types of programs they're going to have. Uh, they're going to have an, an entire array, of course, of programming, showing, of course, uh, reruns of popular television shows during the day. But they are also planning to have a full array of entirely new programming, starting at approximately 5 o'clock every night on weeknights. First of all, they have some sort 
sort of non-fiction program, so to speak, in which they are investigative uh, in some ways, um, some interview-type programs, some more based on ideas like focus group discussions on popular debates of the day, trying to set right the popular debates of the day with a recurring cast of uh, commentators on that, of course, taking different sides on the debates. Wait a second. Second of all, of course, they were looking to have a show that investigates religious beliefs, investigating whether or not they're true, or whether they could be completely disproven. Again, with a, with, with a, a large crew of, of experts who, who could comment on these things. Uh, wait, uh. And of course, they're going to have a historical program of some sort. Uh, it sounds like, from the name, it seems to be titled The History of Today. Uh, so there's that. Um, and like I said, lots of uh, dramatic prime time programs as well. There is, of course, a, a science fiction program, as those seem to be popular right now. It seems to be about a group of adventurers who uh, travel around from planet to planet and, of course, through time, uh, solving problems and, and fighting villains. The group appears to be called the Bright Batch. And uh, according to the website, uh, there's going to be an additional kind of storytelling gimmick or trope that they're holding in secret, which we, they will reveal, apparently, on the first night of the broadcast. Uh, there's one about a mother-daughter team of assassins called Mother Deadliest. There's a show about a pair of homosexual detectives, homosexual men, called uh, Draper and Hart. Oh, crap. I can't believe they're doing this. Oh, Frank, does this, uh, does this strike a chord in some way? Uh, yeah, they're... They're using shows that I set in motion when I was at the company. I mean, by rights, those should be my shows. And they're just gonna steal them from me. Um, you know, it's funny that you mention that, actually. It's funny that you mention stealing shows from someone, because uh, I was thinking that those shows sound like Jordan's shows, you know? What? Oh, nothing, Jordan. Just keep reading. Uh, no, they're not anything like his shows, because they're they're different from his shows. They're not his shows. They're my shows I made up when I worked for Allen Industries, when I owned Allen Industries, owned it. And I, I guess technically, yes, they do go with the company, the shows, but I, ma I made those shows up. I'm saying they belong to me. They don't belong to you, Frank. They don't belong to you. The history of today? Really? The history of today? That sounds a little like this day in history. Well, I'll, you didn't make up the concept of talking about the day, the history of the day that it is. But no. But when taken in conjunction with debate shows about religion and a time-traveling group of young people and homosexual detectives, it sounds very familiar. It sounds, oh, it sounds a little like Welcome to the Waxwork, does it not? Well, <laughs> I, everything was done in conjunction with a lawyer, and so there's no way that it can be proven that these things belong to anyone other than Allen Industries. They, they weren't stolen. I, I had legal advice. I wasn't stealing. Which now, of course, comes back to bite you on the ass, because now you can't accuse them of stealing the ideas from you. Excellent. Well done. You've not only screwed yourself, you've screwed us all. Huzzah, sir. I, you know, look, I was just trying to do something interesting, and I... I, it was technically true. Technically, I did nothing wrong, and I don't think you should be mad at me for it. I just wanted to be a successful... I mean, these are ideas. Idea, you can't, how can you own an idea, really? Uh, well, I think that it's pretty obvious how you can own an idea, but there you are. There you are, you greedy, greedy man. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being greedy. Well, of course you wouldn't think that. You like to steal your sister's food. But there is something wrong with being greedy. It's, in fact, wrong and everyone knows it. I don't know it. Oh, really? You don't know that? No, I don't. <laughs> well, it might interest you to hear about the show that ACT has on Saturday nights. Why, it's a little show called Mr. Fuzzy's Frightening Fiction. Does that sound interesting to you? What is it? Well, it's a show in which a cat tells scary stories. How original of an idea. That sounds like my show. Yes, exactly. He's stolen your show. That's the whole point. Frank stole your show. Frank, you stole my show in real life, and you 
historic in intellectual property rights? That is so rotten. No, I didn't steal it, and I don't own it. I, I can't. You can't blame me for it anymore because I don't work at the company. When I, if I sold the rights to the shows, then I definitely must have sold the blame for the shows. So you got to be mad at them now. Yeah, but you started it. You're the one who said that's her. That's a girl. You weren't even on the show at the time. You must have been listening. You were listening to our show and stealing our ideas. Well, they were. I did no, but I wasn't stealing them. But I, you were my friend, so I listened to the show, even though I, you know. But I wanted to hear. Look, it's look. It's pointless to argue about this because what's done is done. The shows are going to go up. I, you know, I don't see what the problem is. The problem is you've stolen our livelihoods. We don't make any money off this. Our, our intellectual livelihoods. If Jordan was paying attention, he'd be furious. Huh? What? What's going on? Frank Allen stole all of our shows. No, I said you guys can do the shows. Don't worry about it. God, worry. You're just so uptight all the time. <sighs> yeah, Black Freighter. Like, I, I, I don't even want to see this stupid cartoon because they're probably going to screw that up, too. You know, it looks better if it's a comic book. The whole point is it's a comic book. See, he doesn't even care. Look, the point is I didn't steal, and even if I did steal, which I didn't, then they... I, wait a minute, I have a question. So kind of a, a legal what if. It, totally unrelated, of course. Completely hypothetical. All right, go ahead. If I were to say that I had done something wrong, right, while I was the head of a company at some point in my life, um, and then the company still is acting on the things I did wrong, would I get in legal trouble for that in addition to the company, or would it just be the company? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really 100% sure on that. I, I like to think that uh, that you'd both get in trouble, since you actually did do something wrong. Well, and then again, you thought you could talk about extra history in court, so I don't know if I should trust your legal opinion. I'm sure Scape agrees with me, Scape. Oh, I think if you said that you did something wrong, somebody would like... Swat you with your paw. Well, oh, whatever. Look, I didn't... The, I Fine. Hypothetical over. I didn't do anything wrong. And if I did... No, I didn't. So, done. I checked it with lawyers. No problem. And I would say, of course, that this fact that you checked it with lawyers shows that you did know what you were doing was wrong. So, let's get right to the rest of the podcast, shall we? This first show is going to be a show called Guard Duty. Now, if you recall, the Earth Guard has lost a few members over the first few seasons of the show. Now we're in, uh, I think, Series 4. Uh, and so they're having a recruitment drive, uh, and they're, interview they're going to be interviewing uh, some superheroes to see if they are good enough to join the Earth Guard. This is the first episode in which we meet one of those interview is. I think you will all enjoy this episode. It is called Happy Birthday. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, The Stallion and Binary Girl in Happy Birthday. So how is this going to work? Basically, I looked over the applicants and picked out the most likely candidates. I weeded out the obvious riffraff, so hopefully we won't end up with another kick man. No, I mean today. What are we doing today? One candidate will join us on guard duty. 
We interview him and- Or her. Actually, no. It's a him. We interview him and basically get a general sense of who he is. And if we get a call while they're here, more the better. We can get an idea of how they do on their job and whether they're right for the guard. So who do we have today? Here's the file. I'm excited to meet him. He seems very promising. A real powerhouse. He should be here any minute. Is this... Is this for real? Greetings, Earthguard. I'm Birthday Boy, the cosmic personification of birthdays and the embodiment of the daily essence. I thank you for accepting my application to your illustrious guard and look forward to helping to champion the cause of goodwill towards men and writings of wrongs, such as the eternal duty of I, Birthday Boy. Okay. Hi there. Miss? Greetings, Stallion. It is truly an honor to meet the amazing leader of Earthguard. I'm Birthday Boy. Yes, I heard that. It's good to finally meet you. I've heard a lot about your exploits. Welcome to the Guard Tower. This is Binary Girl. Yes. It's good to be here. I've often seen the exploits of your guard on the Earth television programs. I've often thought it would befit me to join forces with you since our ends do tend to be so similar, working for the good of all men. Of all people. Yes, sometimes. When I heard that you were looking to replace your lost comrades, I knew this was my moment to shine, to show the guard just what it would get with a galactic avatar on your side. Well, thank you. I look forward to finding out exactly what that would be like. So, we'd like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. But of course, whatever you'd like to know, I, birthday boy, can tell you, be it the exact diameter of the sun or the distance to the end of the universe. I think he meant about you. Yes. For example, what exactly are your powers? Of course. As the cosmic personification of birthdays, I can tap into the vast wellspring of the energy of universal birth, the bottomless source of all things living. Okay. Good. Which means what, practically speaking? I can fly, I have great strength, am impervious to most forms of harm, and can fire blasts of energy from my very hands. Ah, an impressive array. And you'll find more than adequate to fight the types of super criminals that Earth Guard tends to fight. And... you shapeshift as well? No. Oh, I just... in these pictures of your different appearances, you look different every time. Yes. I think she's asking why that would be. I am the cosmic personification of birthdays, the embodiment of the daily essence. So you've said, yes. But I think again, what she's asking is what that means. I see. <laughs> I shall indulge you for her sake. What? Each day of the year has its own essence, as you know. It is through this essence that every person born each day is bonded together as one. As each day arrives, I, as the embodiment of that essence, can manifest through those bonded individuals, bringing with me all the power and persona of the collective essence of that day's individuals. For example, today I come before you in the form of Thomas Siderman of Newark, New Jersey. I chose his body for the obvious benefit of his physique, which as you can see suits me well, but I could just as easily come in the body of Edward Kravis from Des Moines or Gustav Lustig from Berlin. Let me get this straight. You don't have a body of your own, you just take over the bodies of someone whose birthday it is? What if you got them killed? Not to worry, I would move to another body. Oh, thank God. So, were you to join the guard, you would have a different body each time we saw you? For the first year at least, and not just a body. Meaning what? My personality as well. No two days are alike. Today is October 5th, which means I am quick to grasp new situations in a creative way. I like to keep busy, but need to pace myself. I'm capable in business, but need to be sure to keep my focus. My lucky color is green, and my lucky numbers are 514, 23, 32, 41, 50, 59, 68, and 77. If I were to come up tomorrow, October 6th, I'd have been a bundle of sheer idealism and wild ambition who's- You've got to be- kidding me? So you're essentially astrology man. No, miss. Birthday boy! <sighs> At any rate, you referred earlier to your eternal duty. What exactly is that? Goodwill towards men and the writings of wrongs, working for the good of all men. People. You keep saying that. What I mean is you said eternal duty. 
Who appointed you to this duty, and why is it eternal? I am the personification of birthdays. A birthday should be a happy occasion. Therefore, with all my spectacular and unfathomable power, I cannot abide suffering on my birthday. And it's always your birthday. Very noble of you. Of course! Hang on. What about time zones? It can be one day in California and the next day in New York. Don't be ridiculous! Your Earth time is irrelevant to the daily essence. My power functions on the true cosmic universal time. That makes sense. But again, for practicality's sake, what would that translate to in Earth time? Roughly U.S. Eastern Standard Time. Not in daylight savings. Thank you. What? No, that that doesn't make any sense. Why would Universal Time operate on a 24-hour, 365-day cycle? That's preposterous. Binary girl. (laughs) How little you understand of the universe. Obviously, life can only exist on planets with roughly 24-hour rotation and 365.25-day revolution. Although, why expected you to understand that? I don't know. Excuse me? You are I'm sure what he means is that we as people of Earth have less experience in the realm of intergalactic life. Ah, but the Jovian gas lords come from Jupiter, which is... Ha! I'd hardly consider them alive. Oh, nice. So So we we should should just scatter them into atoms then? Is that it? Binary girl, please. Birthday boy is our guest here, and he... But he started it! Barbara. Fine. Thank you. Now, birthday boy, as you were saying... Thank you, Stallion. Yes, as I was saying, the Jovians are made out of gas. Do you grant rights to every breath you exhale? Or every time you pass gas? Of course not. You don't even grant rights to all species indigenous to your planet. And rightly not. I refer to humanoid life. Obviously, as the universal dominant life form. Oh, really? Well, you don't even have a body of your own, so why should we consider you alive? Next thing, you'll be telling us you're called birthday boy because English is the true universal language. Don't be foolish! I can speak every language spoken by those connected through the date's essence. I call myself birthday boy for you because you speak English, but I would translate the name into whichever language necessary. There, you see, are you satisfied now, Barbara? He would just be birthday boy in another language. Now, can I- birthday girl. What? Birthday girl. If you took over the body of a girl, you would be birthday girl. Why on earth would I do that? Change your name? No, take the body of a girl. What? (laughs) Imagine taking a female body. Do you think I use my awesome abilities to do housework? Excuse me? Attention guard! Attention guard alert! He's Blossom. Is there an emergency? I should say so. Tis Boulder on the move. He runs amok in fair Los Angeles. We must act now before the brute should prove the death of one of your mortal beauties. I can handle this. I'll just jump at the body of someone in the vicinity, grab this boulder, and fly him in orbit. I don't need to breathe if I don't want to. What the hell? Give it a shot. I'll take the horse and go- What? What am I doing here? What's going on? Oh, for- Binary girl, take care of him. I'm on the job. What? Stallion, I... Hey, you're that lesbian chick, right? Sweet.
And a hearty happy birthday to all of you. Welcome back to Welcome to the Waxwork. My name again is Rory Sinjin. Were they going to forget your name in the ten minutes that it took them to listen to Guard Duty? I mean, come on, seriously. All right, of course, uh, then I won't bother telling them your name. My name's Frank Allen, so everybody, I'm sure they know, I'm sure they remember my name, but if you're going to say your name, you should say my name, too. It's just Frank Allen. And, of course, Scape White and Jordan White are also here. Yes, we are. Hmm? Yeah, I'm just reading Watchmen. This is, I mean, this episode with Rorschach's therapist is just, like, sure, they touch on it a little bit in the movie, but it's just, it's so much better in the book. It's everything about it is better. Like, it, it, it shows how it touches the therapist. It's, oh, God. It's just, yes, well, anyway, um, that was a very fun episode. Uh, the character of Birthday Boy, of course, appeared. And, of course, he was the personification of the birthday October 5th, which I'm sure you all recall is the day that, in 1974, David Kunst completed the first round-the-world journey by foot. But this day in actual history, this day being March 16th, this day is a very different day, isn't it? Well, I'm sure it is, since you can only complete the first round-the-world trip once. I mean, perhaps today he was walking it, but I didn't recall that off the top of my head. But I do know what today is, and so perhaps I will give you, Mr. Frank Allen, the history of today. Uh, actually, uh, Rory, I really should advise you, you shouldn't say that, because we did trademark that phrase. So, uh, I wouldn't. All right, then, we will find out what happens on this day in history. Thank you for listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. This is Rory Sinjin. On March 16, 1962, the Beatles' smash hit album Can't Buy Me Love is released on this day. The album broke numerous records, becoming the largest advance-selling record in history, with 2.1 million advance orders placed around the world. Paul, Paul, shut the tape off, shut the tape off. Uh, George, I just don't think that Paul's uh, coming in very good on the track. His feet keep making these weird sounds on the ground there in the studio. It's just, it's distracting me from playing the song. Yeah, this shoes track is not tight. working. Yeah, um, maybe we can get Paul some shoes that fit for once. Because that sounds like a good idea, John. We could buy you love, but you need new shoes. I'm telling you, Paul, if you wear shoes that fit, we're going to have a number one smash out of this album. Yeah, it'll really give this music some more soul. Once the Beatles had switched to shoes that fit, uh, their feet uh, became correctly formed instead of constantly painful, and they became international sex symbols noticed only for their feet. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But the shoe is on the other foot. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And I should tell you that the Beatles, of course, weren't the only band in the 60s to deal with the shoe issue. While the Beatles did make sure to wear shoes that fit a rival band from England, the Rolling Stones had determined that they would rebel against the Beatles' message by only wearing shoes that did not fit. While this worked to the benefit of their popularity by making them a counterpoint to the Beatles, a slightly different type of sex symbol with very small-looking shoes, it was detrimental to their foot care. The various members of the bands wound up with blisters, black toenails, bunion pain, and, of course, hammer toe. But they were determined to stick with it and sing songs. Like their number one hit, most women wear shoes that are two and a half sizes too small. Their problems began 20 years later when, having worn shoes too small for that much time, when women would go home with Mick Jagger and he would take off his boots, they would see that he had hideous malformed feet that had folded over on themselves and curled up and it was really disgusting and most of the time the women would vomit and they would always leave the room. Very, very rarely would they even have sex with him first. So you can see, wearing shoes that fit like the Beatles is definitely the way to go, which is why the Beatles is the one that is still around today tapping their well-fitting shoes. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Ah, that was very educational for all of us, wasn't it? Now, Frank Allen, perhaps, have you ever considered that perhaps the reason you're such a grouchy, grouchy person is because your shoes are too tight? No, 
No, Rory, I have not considered that, uh, because it's dumb. Well, you never know. You might be on the road to Hamato. What? What is Hamato? Well, it's when the, the frontmost joint of your, your toe points upwards instead of, you know, just being straight. The, the whole joint of the toe just goes upwards. Because you, It's because your shoes are so small. Well, I'm not going to get Hamato. I mean, duh. You know, it's my shoes are fine. That's not why I don't like you. I don't like you because you're you. It has nothing to do with me. I would beg very much to differ, but fine. Let's move on. Escape, did you have anything you wanted to say before we allow this very mean and apparently correctly sized shoe individual to have his segment of the show. Oh, yes. Actually, there is. I would like to lodge a formal complaint that you are a poop face and that this should be my section of the show where I do escape stories, but you're doing the interview because you're dumb. And that I couldn't smell you. And that it smells bad. And... All right, all right, all right. I think that's enough. No, no, no. And uh, one time I was walking down the street and I found a monkey's paw, okay? No, you're not telling and us to... I'm not letting you sneak into Escape a Story, and you don't even know the monkey's paw story yet, so don't even try it. You are just a real poopy face. Poop, 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 poopity poop. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do my interview, so there. Now, it's funny you mentioned Birthday Boy. Well, it's not that funny because he was in the episode. Yes, I was going to say. But uh, I, in fact, I'm going to interview him, so let's find out a lot more in depth about Birthday Boy. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome back to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen. Uh, I know we've been gone for a while, which is unfortunate, but we are back now and hopefully we'll be back fairly regularly from this point on. Now, I wanted to come back with a, a special and important show, um, but what I got is I got a, a superhero, uh, which is which is which is good and interesting. You just heard him on guard duty, but here he is again in a slightly different. Uh, body and persona, as it is, of course, a different day of the year. Um, this is everyone's uh, good friend and hero, Birthday Boy. Hello, Frank Allen. I am Birthday Boy, the embodiment of the daily essence. It's wonderful to be on your show, and I'm very happy to be introduced to everyone on my birthday. It's so exciting. As the cosmic personification of birthdays, it's always my birthday, but that means it's always a time to celebrate. And it's good to pause from righting wrongs to come on your show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, like I said. Uh, so, Birthday Boy, um, tell me a bit about yourself. I am the cosmic personification of birthdays, the embodiment of the daily essence. Well, yes, no, you said that, yes. Um, but what I mean is, you know, again, a little more detailed, descriptive language is what I was looking for this time. But I am the essence of birthdays. I am everything that a birthday is. All the power and magic that goes into a birthday goes into me. And I go into the body of someone whose birthday it is. Because of the whole birthday connection that we share. As the embodiment of the daily essence, they are part of me as part of that birthday. Right, right. Okay, so, so let me, let me, I just want to try to clarify what exactly you are though. Um, so you are a bodiless, formless entity, a mind of some sort? I'm the embodiment of the daily essence. No, I got that. But what I'm saying is, uh, c can you exist outside of a body? I mean, could you just be floating in space somewhere or, or do you have to be in a body? I am always in a body because it's always someone's birthday. 
It's always someone's birthday right now. In fact, right now there's millions of people whose birthday it is. No, right. I got that, but you're only in one of them. But I embody all of them. All of them are in me, as I am in all of them. Okay, no, sure. Um, so, so you don't exist outside of a body. I have no need to exist outside of a body, for I always am in many bodies. Wait, you're always in many bodies, so can you take over, like, more than one body at once to do superheroing? I am always in many bodies, but I am always focused in one body. Okay, right. So you're in one body. Who? What is the name of this body you're in right now? This is the body of Michael Denning of Queens, New York. I chose him because he is close to you to be on your show. But even though he is a little overweight, I could still use his body to fight crime, use my many birthday powers to fly, to use super strength, to punch things, to fight for the good of all man. Right, right. Now, on that show, you were in a different body, obviously, um, because it was, I think, October at the time. Uh, but now it's a different day. My understanding is you're different every day, but you seem pretty similar. No, of course not. Every day I am different because I embody a different day. Since today is March 16th, I am very concerned with achievement and must be careful not to let my self-absorption get in my way. But because I have such a highly attuned psychic awareness, I will be drawn onto a much more spiritual path. And today my lucky colors are darker green colors, hence the costume. Yeah, no, I did notice your costume is a slightly different color. Well, I have to wear the colors that are most auspicious for each day of my birthday. Right, no, because, yeah, birthday. So. And I am extremely lucky today because my lucky days are Saturday and Monday. And today is a Monday. My birthday's on a Monday. Good. Um, but today my lucky numbers are 7, 16, 25, 34, 43, 52, 61, 70, and 79. I am a seeker of truth with a fine mind. I enjoy my solitude and must be careful of selfishness. My challenge in life is to maintain my independence without feeling isolated, which is why even if they don't let me onto the Earth Guard, I'm still going to make sure I'm a superhero and I save people and work for the good of all man. Right. Uh, good of all man. Right. Now, hold on. Let's talk about that just for a minute, shall we? Um, man. You say man a lot. There are many men in this world. All of them are equally worthy of our protection. That's why I protect all man. Not just one, but all of them. Right. No, good. And it's good to protect as many people as possible. Right. Yes. Good. What I wanted to ask you about about that, though, was um, the whole idea of women and what your deal is with women. As the embodiment of the daily essence, I have no time for women in my life. They are a distraction I just cannot afford, lest I be unable to fulfill my destiny to protect all of men. No, right, and I understand, um, and I can also understand that since you don't have, you know, a particular body, it would be difficult for you to maintain a relationship. I don't mean why don't you form a romantic um, entanglement with a woman. You misunderstand me. I was not talking about romance either. What I mean is that I have dedicated myself to protecting all of man. That's a lot of people. If I were to try to protect women too, some men might get hurt. So I looked at them both and decided that man was the one who did all the good things in the world. While women at best just helped out, but mostly got in the way. If I can only save one of the two, it had better be man. After all, without man, no one would have walked on the moon. If it weren't for men, there would be no presidents of the United States of America yet. Without men, most Fortune 500 companies would have no CEOs. Where would we be then? Okay, well, uh, those are all fair points. Uh, in their way, but, but they seem to be uh, neglecting another aspect of it. What do you mean? Well, what I was going to say was that um, those are true, but without women, right, there would be no birth at all. Oh? Yeah, no, yeah, there wouldn't. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that there wouldn't, because, uh, you know, women and men together have sex, and, and then there's a baby, and that's why there, well, that's why there are men, for example, so without women, there would be no men, because they, that's where, that's where babies come from, that's why there are birthdays. Don't be silly. Birthdays existed long before humankind. They 
did what they birthdays? Of course. Even 100 million years ago, the daily essence of today meant that you could find satisfaction through success in business, science, religion, or anything related to research. No, but without people, without man and woman, how could anybody find those things? There was Those things didn't exist. Now you're talking nonsense. I know there are many planets. Okay, oh, other planets. Sure, yes. Okay, other planets. But what I'm saying is on other planets, are there not men and women? I suppose there may be. I try not to concern myself with women, lest I have not time for men. Right. Okay. Um, let me, let me just take it back again to the birth, the whole birth thing, because that seems to be the, the place where w women are pretty essential to the life. Um, birth. You know birth, right? Birth is what happens on birthdays. Right, right. So you know about that. Okay, good, good. I didn't want to have to go into too much detail. Now, let me ask you, on that first birthday that someone shares with the world, not their first birthday, because that's the, the, the year later, but the, 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 the day of their birth, the birthday, so to speak, right? The, the titular day of birth. There is a woman who is involved in that process who is fairly essential. Is she not? I could not say. You could not say? I do not spend my time on that birthday. I tried it once. It was disgusting. What? There's much blood and goo, and sometimes poo. It is quite unpleasant, and sometimes you get hit. It made me cry quite a bit, and I was very unhappy. Since then, I have made an effort to only appear on fifth birthdays forward. Right, okay, sure, but but you experienced it once. It was the worst experience of my life. Okay, well, as people like to say, none of us ask to be born, but we, we are. The point is, women... Uh, are kind of essential to that. And if, if no women gave birth, there would be no one to celebrate birthday. And it is not right that women must have that power over us. I fight for the freedom of all man. And if that means I must liberate them from women, then so be it. I can dedicate myself to this effort. But it is unjust if women can say that they are responsible for men's births. If they think they can lord it over men just because some accident of nature gave them a womb, then they must be defeated. And as the embodiment of the daily essence, I think that I have that ability. Now, hold, wait, no, no, hold. Why would you attack women? No, don't. I'm not saying that women are threatening men. But if they try to claim credit for all of man's deeds, then they are trying to oppress men. What have women ever done for men? How has a woman served in, for example, politics other than to take attention away from the male politicians who should be rightfully serving? Oh, now hold on. Hillary Clinton tried to take attention away from Barack Obama, and it was very close. I almost had to take action. Thankfully, he defeated her. All right, no, let's just, I don't think this is a good topic to keep talking about. Let's move on to um, something else. So, uh, the Earth Guard. Uh, I will, okay, mentioning the Earth Guard, there's a lot of women on the Earth Guard, so I don't know how you would get along with them if they were to let you on the Earth Guard. If I were on the Earth Guard, I think that they would understand that I am the most powerful person on the Earth Guard, and they would have to respect me for that. As such, I imagine the women would stay out of my way. I would have no need of assistance from heroines such as Binary Girl or Voodoo Lady, nor would I crave to gaze upon the naked flesh of Peas Blossom. So knowing that they would be of no use, I'm sure they would keep it to themselves. Meanwhile, the noble men such as Mr. Fahrenheit and the Stallion would welcome me into their ranks, and I would stand side by side with them in the hallowed halls of the history of mankind. Well, good. That's a good thought. I'm, so you, you think you have a good chance of being uh, selected as a member of the Earth Guard? Of course I do. I am birthday boy, the embodiment of the daily essence. Right, yes, right. Any other applicant for Earth Guard membership has a birthday, and therefore, on their day of birth, I could be them. Having me on the Earth Guard would be like having every person on Earth on the Earth Guard for only one day of the year. But still, that would certainly be better than just having one more person for every day of the year, wouldn't it? Well, I'm not exactly sure how the math works out on that, but I'm sure the Stallion and uh, the other members of the Earth Guard will factor that in as they calculate. So, uh, thank you for being on the show, Birthday Boy. I do appreciate it. And thank you, Frank Allen, for having me on the show. As Birthday Boy, I do not go on many shows, but I would like to be on more shows. Perhaps you could interview me next week. I could be in the body of someone whose birthday was on March 23rd. No, uh, well, I mean, it's good of you to offer, but I don't
don't think we would want to have it be a birthday boy interview every week. But I would be completely different every week. On March 23rd, I would be curious, like change, and have a way with words. I would be sensual and love to taste all of life. My lucky no, numbers... No, no, I'm so, look, no, I'm sorry. Thank you for being on the show. And I, again, I do greatly appreciate it. I do. But I don't think no, I don't think we want to have you on next week. But I, again, I, it was very good of you to be on. Well, all right, if you say so. But it is your loss, Frank Allen. I am the cosmic personification of birthdays. Therefore, I am as interesting as every person whose birthday it is combined. Well, maybe on my birthday we can have you on, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, for now, I think we've, we, we've, we're good with this interview. All right. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Um, this has been a Frank Allen interview uh, with Frank Allen. And Hi, what's going on here? What's, why am I in this apartment? Okay. Who, who are you? All right. Um, I'm Frank Allen. Hi. You, you did an interview. Uh, listen, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll be back what, hopefully what, in two weeks. Where so are you, what is it? What is it? Listening to what? What's, I'll tell you. Good night. Thank you very much, Frank. And um, that was an illuminating interview. With birthday boy there. Yes, it was, actually. And uh, we learned a lot about him. We learned about what makes him tick a little bit. But we didn't really, but all right, I'll just move Oh, on. we did, we did. And that's why I think I should be able to do a Frank Allen interview next week. Don't you think, Jordan? Huh? No, Dad, no, no. Frank is trying to get to do a Frank Allen interview every week. But you said we would go back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah, Escape. No, you're going to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a Frank Allen interview this week, but then next week is a scabby story. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I'm, just, I'm at the part here where, where Laurie and, and uh, John are up on Mars talking about life and stuff, and she's having her memories, and they don't have to pull the nonsense with, let me, you know, screw with your head and see how you remember things. It's just that things are going through her mind. That's all. And, you know, his skill as a writer leads you through them, and you don't go, why, why, why are we doing this? No, you just you just see it, and it works. It's sort of like, and the nostalgia bottle. Nostalgia bottle is spinning the whole issue, and it works. It works well, and I don't see why you have to make a stupid movie out of it. Well, I guess you don't. But you heard him, Frank. I get to do my show. So keep your mitts to yourself, because my show is my show. Your show is dumb show. I think it was a perfectly good show. I interviewed him. I got information. I mean, that's you do crappy interviews. I do great interviews, but I do better, scapey stories from a cat in the dark, whatever that means. And so I am best out of the two of us. All right, well, let's, let's move along. Long, I think. Um, it's time for a show that we like to call Like Daughter. Of course, the sequel to Like Mother. It is a show about a young woman whose mother turned out to be a killer uh, trying to stop a secret conspiracy called Cask. Her mother died at the end of the first season of the show, Like Mother, and now it focuses solely on the daughter and her getting caught back up in this Cask conspiracy. This episode is written by Jordan. What? No, I didn't write it. I just, this is Alan Moore. Alan Moore wrote it. No, Alan Moore wrote Watchmen. Uh, this episode you did write. Oh, yeah, the show? Yeah, okay. And it's a, it's a very interesting episode. It's called Cask and Ye Shall Receive. Let's listen to it.
Like Daughter, Episode 3, Cask and You Shall Receive, by Jordan D. White. Bobby E.G. Kurtzman was no stranger to staring down the barrel of a handgun. Not since he stumbled face first into the Darling family's mission to stop the evil conspiracy group, Cask. Hope Darling, the mother of the family, had been the driving force behind that mission with her ability to see its members. But once her brains had been blown all over the inside of a stolen car by Bobby's former idol and apparent conspirator Jason Brandt, that left only Hope's daughter Pandora to fight the good fight. Coincidentally, in addition to being completely uninterested in taking up the mantle, Pandora was also the girl Bobby had had a crush on since the third grade. Now the only thing distracting Bobby from the fact that he'd spent the entire evening lying directly to his lady love's face since the start of the homecoming dance was the pistol being thrust against his back by one of Carousel New York's newly hired private police force. Ow! There's no need to shove. On the contrary, in order to execute you in the most expedient and convenient manner, it would be behooved me to ensure the three of you are kneeling, facing the wall. It struck me as unlikely that you would cooperate, hence my decision to jostle you into place. Now, if the ladies would join you, I can commence with dispensing justice. I am, after all, a persecutor of perpetrators, a warrior for righteousness, You see, a- Pandora? What did I tell you? I help you for one minute, and already I'm being murdered. How can you even pretend to be my friend? It's not my fault, Tabby! Indeed. If one were to honestly assess the situation, the only persons on which to blame your present predicament, excepting yourselves, of course, would be your masters in the constabulary aggravation social cell. Had they not commanded a worldwide attack on the good nature of state and local police forces... What did you say? The constabulary... Aggravation social cell. You didn't think word had spread about your covert operations, did you? You hadn't banked on a private police officer who had graduated magna cum laude from Vestal University, class of 1997, had you? And as you can see here in my letter of recommendation from the dean of the Carousel Academy School of Karate, I can break through not one, not two, but four ports with one punch. Impressive. Why? Thank you. But hang on. You said cell. Cell starts with a C, not a K. Bobby, don't antagonize him. He has a gun. He's not some rival blogger. We shouldn't be picking apart his spelling. Then what should we do? I'm sorry, Pandy. I just find it so distracting. C-A-S-C doesn't spell cask at all. Were I planning to process you in the normal fashion, I would point out that you were only incriminating yourself by showing that you know how to spell cask. It's a real word. Maybe I know it from, you know, a container made and shaped like a barrel for holding liquids. I think not. 
Why would a high school student know that? No. As it is, you shall die knowing that I have seen through your ruse. The letter K makes the same sound as the letter C. Not in the word cell. If it was K-E-L-L, that would be Kel. And cask with a C as in cell would be cast. Oh god, you too, Tabby! Do you not remember that this man said he's about to kill us? I know that, Pandora, but if you think about it, I think you'll realize that the whole spelling issue really is just one big distraction. I can't concentrate on dying at all. Are you two both completely insane? It's spelling! I must say, I, I agree with the uh, blonde-haired kidnapper-murderer-conspiratress on this issue. I really don't see how spelling of a global conspiracy matters in the long run. Here, let me show you. I know a few linguistic websites that might help. Then you and Pandora can see that it's as simple as, say, a 3-4 pattern, starting now. Receiving. If we use a C like this, then the distraction caused will serve to, let's say, knock or somehow slight the vast conspiracy officer figure it out. Be that as it may. <clears throat> officer Interpolitansky tumbled to the floor. Pandora standing over him with the remnants of a computer monitor in her hands. As her hazy eyes drifted back into crisp focus, she dropped the shell to the floor. Took you long enough, Pandora. What? What just happened? Your cryptography skills may be impeccable, but you may need to work a bit more on common sense training. <laughs> do they have that on subliminal audio, too? Wait, Bobby, cryptography? What do you mean? Well, you weren't getting the plan, so I spoke a coded message. Every third and fourth word, back and forth. I knew with all that subliminal training your mom gave you, it would bypass your conscious mind and just give you the message directly into your- Bobby! You can't do that! What? After everything my mother put me through- I don't like being manipulated. You know that. Gosh, I'm sorry, Pandy. Bobby just saved our lives, Pandora. Cut the boy some slack. Tabby, you don't know what she did to me. I still I still carry lockpicks with me at all times. Do you know how crazy that is? I have to test every liquid I drink for drugs. I brought a portable kit to the dance to check the punch. I still sleep in a damn... Bu no, I just... I can't take that again. Not from you, Bobby. Not the only person I can trust. You have to promise. Andy. Promise me you'll never manipulate me again, Bobby. Pandora, I would never manipulate you into doing something you don't want to do. Okay? All right. Good. Can we get out of here now? I don't want to be around when Officer Friendly here wakes up. We're not leaving him here. What? Why not? He's Cask. We can't just let him go about his business. But he's not Cask. He wanted to kill us for being Cask. You heard him, Bobby. The Carousel Academy School of Karate? We're taking him with us. We can get some information out of him yet. And if not, well, we've still got a good amount of lie in the basement. You two grab his legs. What? No way. I am not having any part in this. But Tabby, you said- I said I'd help you find Bobby, and now he's found. Like I told you at the funeral, our friendship is over. You can kidnap peace officers if you want to. I have better things to do, like raise social awareness about the problem of homelessness in Carousel. Did you know that there are over four dozen homeless transient individuals in the area at any given moment? No. Well, you will once my big campaign gets underway. It's going to be advocating all sorts of important social knowledge. And you're going to start organizing it the night of homecoming. Well, what do you expect me to do? My date ditched me when he realized I wasn't going to be his in-tang near you. George? Tabby, you're better off without him. The guy's a jerk. But he was going to be my jerk. Of course, no, that can't be allowed, can it? You have to take that away from me, too. Bad enough you have the guy I really want, you have to take the good-looking guy, too. Hey! Sorry, Bobby. I mean, 
You're cute in your own way, but we're, we're talking about George Batista here, son of world-famous underwear model Francesco Batista. The boy may not blog, but he's got looking good in his blood. Even the backstabber has to admit that. Tabby, I'm not trying to hurt you. I just want everything to go back the way it was before... Before we started doing things like kidnapping people to get information out of them? Me too, Pandy. But that's not going to happen, and it's time you accepted that. I have. Okay, so nobody cares about Tabitha Wentworth when she's not barnacled onto Pandora Darling. I can accept that, for now. But just wait until my campaign starts, then they'll care about the things I tell them to care about, and by proxy, they'll care about me. Tabby! I'll do you the favor of not calling in more police on you, but that's the last kindness you can expect from me. See you in the feed catcher, Everett. And with that, Tabitha spun on her heels and stormed out of the computer lab. Bobby and Pandora stood there in silence, letting the girl's words sink in, before a sound from Officer Interpolitansky spurred Pandora into action. Ugh, it strikes me that a man in my position should- my head. What do we do now? Just what I said. We get him home and find out what he knows, then we dispose of him. So you're- you're going to fight Cask again? Bobby, you heard Tabby. It's time to start accepting things as they are. I didn't want to get caught up in all this cask nonsense, but here it is. If it doesn't want to leave me alone, what can I do? I have to fight them. If not me, who? I'll be here for you any way I can. Any help you need. I know you will, silly. I couldn't do it otherwise. I told you, you're the one I can trust. Oh, thanks. I mean, good. It's good. And now we're going to go kill a guy. You get used to it. Don't be scared. I'll protect you. I won't let Caleb or anyone else kidnap you again. I need you on my side. Okay. <laughs> Let's get a move on. We wouldn't want anyone from the computer and science club to pop in on us. As the pair carried the unconscious crime fighter down the back stairs and loaded him into Bobby's car in the near-empty parking lot, their thoughts began to drift in opposite directions on the same subject. Pandora became more and more certain that giving in and devoting herself to fighting Cask was an unavoidable necessity. Bobby, on the other hand, began to wonder whether he'd done the right thing, pretending to be kidnapped and locking Pandora in a box to get her motivated to take action. Either way, one thing was certain. He couldn't let her know what he'd done. Once in the Darling home, Pandora secured Officer Interpolitansky to the concrete supports in her basement with a set of chains her mother had left behind. She then changed out of her gown into more comfortable interrogating clothes. Bobby, still wearing the remnants of his tuxedo, had fallen asleep on the couch before she came back down stairs. Pandora thought it for the best. She didn't think Bobby would have the stomach for what came next. She grabbed a sturdy kitchen knife and descended into the basement. Good morning, officer. 
I said good morning. What, what may I ask is the meaning of this? I am a duly appointed officer of the law and shall not tolerate such- You're in no position to dictate what is and is not tolerated. Tell me everything you know about the Carousel Academy School of Karate. Never. Cask will never get anything from this defender of justice. I'm not Cask, this- you idiot. You are. Carousel Academy School of Karate. C-A-S-K. Think about it. No, no. Cask isn't. That's, that's a coincidence. I refuse to believe it. Dean Kane would never. Who? Dean Kane? From, from TV? What? No. Chuck Kane. Dean of the School of Karate. The most honorable man in all of Carousel. He would never mislead me. He, he's the one who taught me the path of honor and glory that comes from the pursuit of the glorious martial art of karate. He couldn't have been faking it. I refuse to believe it. You'd be surprised. I suppose there's only one way to settle this, to prove whether you're an agent of Cask. There is nothing, not one thing you could do to make me believe. If you're Cask, you must have the implant. Let's check. And before the officer could even call out to stop, Pandora had sliced through his stomach. His intestines spilled out onto the floor, piling up at his feet. Pandora shoved her other hand into the chasm and felt around between his remaining organs before coming across something small and hard nestled against Interpolitansky's spine. She pulled. There we go. See? You had an implant, which proves... Hello? Dead already? That's too bad, officers, since I was so totally right, and you were... Hang on, what's this? Pandora looked closer at the blood-covered implant and wiped away some of the gore with her thumb. She could see a small bump jutting off the edge of the chip, rounded on the sides but flat at the top and the bottom, like the side view of a barrel. I've seen that before. Pandora ran up the basement stairs, then up to the second story of the house, not hesitating even for a moment before bursting into the bedroom she'd not entered for weeks, not since choosing her mother's burial clothes. At the sight of all her mother's things, she paused, her eyes welling up, but she shook off the emotion and hurried to her mother's bedside. She grabbed her mother's digital alarm clock, a clock she'd always thought looked far too fancy with its enormous digital display. She checked. And yes, just as she'd remembered, there was a jack of the same barrel shape. Here goes nothing. She jabbed the chip into the jack, and the display came to life, bringing up a list of file folders, mostly labeled with months and years. One folder was called Red Flags. Pandora selected this folder, then the topmost file, dated almost a year before. The file began playing presumably what Orson Interpolitansky had heard just under a year before his death. Why, hello there, miss. You're new to the school of karate, aren't you? Why, yes I am, but I'm sure an experienced man like yourself can teach me a thing or two. 
What was Hope Springs Eternal Darling doing with Orson Interpolitansky? Does Chuck Kane have something to do with it? Which cask is the real cask? Will Pandora discover Bobby's secret? What was Tabby's campaign advocating social knowledge going to accomplish? Like Daughter returns next week with episode four in Right Minds. In that episode of Like Daughter, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Tabitha Wentworth was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Orson S. Interpolitansky was Rob Glass, and Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson. And now, unfortunately, we do draw to a close of the show. If you've been enjoying this episode of the show and you want to get in touch with me and hear my dulcet tones even more, you can get in touch with me through the email address castandwax at gmail.com. You can procure my services as an extra historian for only a modest fee. You're just so, you're just, all you do is pimp yourself out. That's just all you even do of it anymore. Oh, oh, really? Okay, yes, I'm so, I, I do apologize for advertising myself, but, uh, you know, I just thought you might like to know, whereas I'm sure no one else would like to mention anything that they do, be it hosting things or anything like that. Well, everybody knows that I would make an incredible radio host or television host or host of pretty much anything, so I don't have to advertise it, and I don't have to tell them that they can contact me through castandwax at gmail.com because they know that already. So yes, I don't have to say how I would be a really great host. It's not a necessary thing to keep plugging. You, on the other hand, have to keep your total nonsense business running. Well, I wouldn't say it was total nonsense. I would say it's what we call success business, unlike any business that you've ever operated on your own. How is your work in the drive-thru going, by the way? It's, you know, it's going fine. They give you half-price meals. It's fine. So... Oh, that must be splendid. Scapey, would you like to say anything? I would like to say anything, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes, right. Uh, it's the listener mail section of the show, which we always kick off by allowing Mr. Scapewhite to sing the song of his choice, summarizing the events. That is correct. Perhaps perhaps you'll take a request? Sure. Well, we did have uh, the episode Guard Duty with Birthday Boy and then the interview with Birthday Boy. Perhaps you'd like to sing us your own entirely new birthday song. Oh, yeah, sure. I can do that. This one is called Happy Birthday to You. For reals. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I think that it's your birthday. Correct me if I'm wrong. Excellent, wonderful, just very short and sweet. I think perhaps if you are lucky, people will be singing that around their birthday cakes for years to come. Oh, you think so? Well, you did leave out the part with the person's name. That's the only possibly detrimental part to it. Oh. Okay, well, here, here we go, here we go. I got an idea. Here's what we do. The song will, will traditionally start like this, with people crapping like this. Hey, Rory, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I think that it's your birthday. Correct me if I'm wrong. Boom. Sound good? Uh, that, that's much better, yes, because with the, with the personalized touch, you could say, hey, Rory. And, uh, obviously, you wouldn't say that every time. You say, hey, Frank, or hey, you know, Jordan, anyone like that. What? It's not my birthday. What are you talking about? And if it was, you know, I don't know what gift you could give me that would make my world make sense anymore. Right. Well, we did get a piece of listener mail, so perhaps I will read that to you. Well, you've been talking so much, why don't one of us read it? Well, Scape can't read, so... Ah, uh, I can read. All right. Then, Frank, why don't you read it, please? Thank you. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I was devastated to hear that there will be no 
Scapey story this week. Frank Allen already has two shows, Debatatorium and Tractor Fiction. Scapey only has one segment. You can't take it away. It's all he has. How will I survive without my weekly dose of Scapey cuteness? I hope when Jordan gets back to his normal self, he will rectify this ridiculous injustice. P.S. Cheer up, Jordan. What? Cheer, cheer up? Look, I... This is... You know, this is not something to be taken lightly, so I don't understand why people are giving me a hard time over this. This is serious business. I mean, this is... Why would you put Bubastis in there with no explanation? People are probably going, what the hell is that mutant cat thing? Well, the point is, no, we're not going to be giving Skate back his show. I mean, we're going to let him do his show next week and every other week, but I get to do a show. Yes, I have two shows, but those are previously recorded shows. I need to have something new to express my myself. Just like Rory's got a new segment, This Day in History. Where where, where are they now in history? I mean, Skate gets his new segment. Plus, Skate gets to sing a song. He gets to sing a song every episode, makes up a new song, songwriting, every every episode. I don't write any songs, so what if you did write a song? I, I fear they would be terrible. Hiya! No, I could probably do... I, look, I don't sing. I'm not a song guy, but look. But that's the, not the point. Right, the point is, yes, that was the only piece of list of mail we got. So, castinwax at gmail.com. Write into us, please. You, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Write into us. There's lots of things we haven't heard about recently. Well, we'd like to hear about them again. Write about me, write about Scape, write about Frank, write about Jordan. Write about anything. We all would appreciate hearing from you. Unfortunately, though, we do draw to a close, so I will bid you all adieu, as will my co-host, yeah. Goodbye. See you. I guess maybe I would host next week's show. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put money on that. But but you'll do that scapey story, and that'll be enough, I think. Jordan, did you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I suppose that's good enough. Everyone, we will all see you next week. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, well, we've got the last episode of the second season of Decker and Hayes, which, you know, also doesn't end with a awesome giant squid. But, you know, maybe I, maybe I should have. Please do join me and help yourselves to some of the wine, please. God knows that I have taken too much of it as is. <laughs> Spare to go. And... 
Additionally, we have a, you know, a rock thing. Oh, rock rock music is called The Angels, not The Pale Horse, which you don't know anything about, of course, because you've only seen the stupid movie. Um, it's called The Angels, rock thing, tractor fiction. I have wolves in the church as my wolves, and you will be part of my pack. Because remember, a friend of the devil is a friend of mine. But we're Christians. Oh, don't give me that testicular greasage. You're no more Christians than Creed. And um, Rory says there's going to be a really, really good this day in history. And I guess I'll have a escape story. I should have Scapey tell Watchmen. That would be pretty awesome. He'll probably do a better adaptation. Anyway, it's all coming March 23rd to um, waxwork.com.